So good to have all of you with us this morning. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Uh, today, all of our online guests and viewers, we welcome you this morning to New Life Church. So good to see you today. Uh, well, listen, it's a week after Easter. A week after Easter. And I want to invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. That's where we're going to hang out today. Luke, chapter 24. Two weeks ago, we started uh, on Palm Sunday um, a, a series called The Renewal, and um, carrying that on, we just, I just feel in my heart and my spirit that's just a theme that, um, that the Lord is working, that the Holy Spirit is helping in, and just something He's aiming our direction at and our, our, our heart at is for Him to renew things in us. And, and that's what renewal means is to begin again. And um, I just am I'm hopeful and expectant of, of many stories to come forth about what the Lord is doing and, and how he's moving in our life. And, and then, of course, last week, Easter Sunday, uh, what a great day, a uh, really good day. Um, probably um, one of our most significant days in, in over a year as far as the, the spirit of the day, uh, I, I, I get a weekly report um, that, that kind of shares with me the different numbers of stories of, of, of things from the attendance to how many adults, how many children, uh, how, how many people watched online, how, what our offering was like for the day, for the week, uh, to the different stories of what happened in, throughout the day. And so I was looking at that, and my first initial thought, initial thought was, and I, and I sent the email back, was, man, if Easter were the new normal, if Easter was the, were the new normal, you know, um, if you all remember a year ago, we all had to Easter at home. Uh, um, so nobody got to see that cute outfit you bought. Uh, nobody outside got to taste whatever food you made. Uh, and so, you know, certainly Easter this year was, was amazing. Uh, not just for, for the, the feel of it, uh, certainly that goes a long way, but man, to, to see so many people uh, together in the house of the Lord. Um, and, you know, if, 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 you were, if you were a pastor, you would know what that feels like to see his sheep all come together, and it just makes, makes a pastor's heart swell up and, uh, in a good way, and it was certainly good. The attendance, obviously, the, the fullness of worship, uh, the richness of the fellowship that was happening. I went outside and watching the kids do their Easter egg hunt, and, and everybody just kind of standing around. Even people that didn't have kids were still lingering around, probably saying, man, I wish I had a kid so I could get some of their candy. And, you know, and, and it was just fun to see and to hear laughs of our children playing and, and watching them be together. And, and it was just one of those days, you know, and uh, it, it means a lot. It meant a lot. And then, of course, man, if you have anybody that cooks in your family, then eat, getting to eat. Or if you went out to eat and you got to enjoy a good meal, uh, you know, after Easter, it just uh, after service, just just a, a, a certainly a special day, um, certainly a celebratory day, no doubt. And uh, I would even say it was more, it was a heavenly day uh, for for us and many churches all the way around. But now here we are, a week after Easter, and you know what we do beyond Easter and how we live beyond Easter is also equally important. Um, f for us and, and how we approach now 
what happens next in, in this faith walk. And, um, and so that's what we're going to get into today. I've got a message I've titled Beyond Easter uh, that I, I want to preach here out of Luke 24. Just go with me for a moment. We're going to take some steps into this text, into this story. Luke, um, the way he writes is more like an investigative journalist. And so I want to kind of just reach into his story here as he sets this whole thing up. Just the first couple of verses to get us started says, Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. In verse 4, as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. In verse 6, those men said, He isn't here, speaking of Jesus. He is risen from the dead. And then they say this, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then verse 8, then they remembered that he had said this. Then he had remembered that he had said this. You know, it's, it's amazing what we need to be reminded of. You know, we have so much information at our hands, at our fingertips, can look up almost anything, but yet, no matter what, we always tend to forget some of the most important things. Sometimes it, it just slips. You know, we can, you, can have, you can have, man, eight good things happen to you and then one negative thing happen, and what stands out the most? The negative thing. That's exactly right. We're, we live that way, and we tend to forget, and we need to be reminded of what is possible and, and what can be. And these ladies and these disciples had to be reminded. And, you know, Easter Sunday certainly has a special way of reminding us of what's important, that Jesus is alive and that he makes all things new again. He has a way of working through everything in our life, Romans eight twenty eight to work it out for our good, for those who love the Lord and who live for His purpose for their life. He has a way of working things out that way. And for those who put their faith in Jesus, those who rely on Him, those who trust in Him, those who follow Him, then becomes the, the part of walking it out, walking life out beyond Easter. Easter is celebratory. Easter is special. People show up, at least they did last week, and, you know, it's the spirit of, of the day just kind of is going on throughout our mind and our heart for, for the day and for the week, but now living beyond Easter. And that brings us to the question, does life just go back to the way it was, or is it really different? Does life go back to the way it was, or is it really different? And we're going to look at the rest of this story. We're going to look at the life of these uh, two disciples. It's a snapshot of their life. These two disciples, these two Jesus followers who were on a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem back to their hometown, Emmaus, and who they were walking with and who was walking with them and how it made the difference. Jesus, of course, is the one they were walking with and who was walking with them and how beyond Easter, life didn't have to go back to the way it was but life for them could be different. And the same can be true for all of us here, all of us watching, all of us who, like these two disciples, 
walked with the right person, Jesus. So we're going to look at that and how there are five thoughts here I want, to, I want to draw our attention to out of this story of how what Jesus wants to do in our life beyond Easter. Yeah, he, no, I love the dressing up. I love the, the food. I love the celebration. I love the egg hunt. I love all the things about it. Because as long as none of that stuff overshadows what's most important, which is Jesus and his resurrection, that really is all just kind of sidesteps to, hey, there is new life. There can be new beginnings. There can be greater things that God can do in me. But then there comes the actual walking it out in life that gets challenging. and We need to pay attention to who's walking with us and who we're walking with. And that's where we come into this story in verse 13. The first thing that Jesus wants post-Easter, beyond Easter, is this. Jesus wants to walk with you through every season of life. Through every season of life. Verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were talking, or excuse me, were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. As they talked, as they walked, Jesus came and began walking with them. Jesus wants to walk with us through every season of our life. You know, as we talked about last week, how life in general can be messy. But God specializes in making miracles out of our mess. That the messes of life really doesn't have to mess up our life. Because if we let Jesus in, he redeems, he renews, he restores, and he makes life new again. It doesn't have to stay the way it was. It can be different. And so whatever you and I have faced, whatever we have dealt with that has been bad, that has been negative, that has been awful, whatever, Jesus wants to help, whatever it is we've faced in life. And then whatever we will face in life, whatever we will go through, Jesus wants to walk with us through it, every step of the way through it all. That's the guarantee he gives. That's the promise he gives, is that he will not leave us when our life gets nasty. Jesus will not turn his back to us when our life is messy. He promises to always be there, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, whatever it is. And so, in seasons of goodness, we thank Him. In seasons of hardship, we will praise Him. In seasons of indifference, we will wait on Him. And in, in it all and through it all, Jesus wants to walk with us through every season of our life whatever that may be. That's the thing. That's the thing about him. And these disciples were facing and in the middle of a messy part of life, trying to figure it out, trying to sort it out, wondering what was going on. And here they are walking seven miles back home. I kind of look at it as they were 
kind of maybe swallowed it and said, you know, I guess he isn't really alive like he said he would be. Where is he? I'm just, we just might as well go on back home. And isn't that something? Just when we're ready to throw in the towel, just when we're ready to run away, here he comes. Just when we're ready to maybe live in doubt for the rest of our life, live without hope, Jesus has a way of coming right into our life suddenly and walk with us. And that's what you and I need to first understand and continue to hold true to is that, hey, through our life, through our life, Jesus wants to walk with us. Here's the second one. Jesus wants to keep your life moving forward. Verse 17. Jesus asked them, Hey, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied. Now, Cleopas was, uh, it's said that scholars think this is the same Cleopas whose, whose wife was actually at the cross when Jesus was hanging on it there, and, and that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was with him. Cleopas' wife was with him. You can look at that in John 19, 25. They think that's the same one. But they, out of the two disciples, he's the only one named, and that's, that's about it. And he says, hey, you must be the only person in Jerusalem speaking to Jesus but not knowing it's Jesus who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Anybody ever ask you something that they, they don't know you've been through something and they're going to talk to you like you hadn't been through something and they're going to talk to you like you dumb? And all the time, you just kind of stand there, boy, I, if, I, if you just knew. If you only knew. Cleopas was like Jesus. He didn't know it was Jesus, but he's like, you've been living under a rock. And I'm thinking, Jesus is like, well, kind, yeah, I kind of have the last two days. I kind of have. You ever meet somebody and they look at you and, and you know they're thinking, you ain't never been through nothing. All clean, all pretty. All smiley, shoes shining, car got gas in it. You got a car, you know. They don't know. They don't know. Cleopas was like, you must be the only one around. But what I want to zero back on to, zero in on is what Jesus asked. Is that, hey, what are you discussing so intently to the point where the disciples stopped short. said they stopped short. And sadness, their countenance, was sad. What has you tore up so much so that you stopped short? Jesus is wanting to know. And then Cleopas goes on to tell him in the next few verses what they're dealing with what they're talking about, what has caused them to stop short and live with some sadness. Goes on to talk about this Jesus, he, who he was. He was a, a, he was a prophet. He was a, a powerful miracle worker. He was a, a dynamic teacher. And the religious of the day had him arrested and condemned and crucified. And then how, and then if that's not enough, Cleopas is telling him, you know what, and then early this morning, some women from our group 
that we, who are followers of this Jesus, go to the tomb to find him and to see what's going on, and he's not even there. And somebody said the angels told him that he was risen from the dead, that he's alive. But nobody can seem to find him. Nobody knows where this Jesus is. That's what's got us tore up. We had hopes that he was the Messiah and he was going to rescue Israel and set everything straight the way we thought he should. And he's nowhere to be found. So that's what's got us tore up. That's That's what has us in sadness. That's what has made us stop short right now. And that same question can be asked of us today. What has you tore up today? What has you tore up today? So much so that like these disciples, you just want to run. You just want to hide. You just want to isolate. You just, I don't, I don't want to be around no people because I'm afraid of what I'm going to say to people. Anybody ever been there before? DMX passed away. Y'all going to make me lose my mind. Anybody ever thought that, said that? Anybody ever done that? Don't raise your hand. What has you tore up today? I know Easter was great. Easter was celebratory and special. But man, life still happens. How do we live beyond Easter? Jesus wants to keep our life moving forward, and he's interested in knowing what has you tore up. Is it a person? Is it a problem? Is it a pain? Whatever it is, what has you tore up today, keeping you not wanting to move forward? Jesus is wanting to know because Jesus wants to help. Jesus wants to help. I like often reference Paul's answer in 2 Corinthians 12, and out of the message... You know, it's the part where he said, I've got a thorn in the flesh, and I've asked God three times to take this thorn away from me, and each time he answered me, and he said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. He said, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. And Paul said, man, once I heard that, then I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap, and, and I began to appreciate the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving into on my weakness. Anybody got any weakness in their life? Anybody dealing with any weakness? Anybody ever come up short in life where you're like, man, I let that get the best of me. I let today win, even though we woke up telling, not today, Satan, but man, today my flesh ruled me. That's where God's grace comes into play. And Paul, I love this part right here. He said, it, it, it said now I take, limitation, I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. Because these limitations cut me down to size. Abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. And here it is with an exclamation point. I just let Christ take over. Whatever has you and I tore up and makes us want to stop short and not carry on and not move forward in the destiny that God has for us, you and I never will be able to do that if we don't let Christ take over. Take over my mind, Jesus. Take over my attitude, Jesus. Take over my behavior, Jesus. Take over my speech, Jesus. Christ, take over the way I'm thinking today. Take over today. And that requires an acknowledgement. That requires action. That requires humility. That requires surrender to the Lord. Because Jesus wants to keep our life moving 
forward, but we got to be able to answer that tough, tough, tough question. What are you doing with it? Then, number three. You guys good? Jesus wants to take you through life on the foundation of his word. Verse 25. Cleopas just got through telling him, this is what has us messed up. And Jesus says, hey, Again, they still don't know it's him yet, but he's with them. So you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then verse 27. Then Jesus took them through. He took them through. He took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus took them through with the word. You know, life, as you, know, as you and I know, life is, is fragile, life is challenging, life is, is confusing in so many different ways. Life is full of ups and downs and ins and outs and all of these different things are happening in life, but the thing that will guarantee you and I to be able to carry on is dependent upon our, the foundation of our life. What is our life built on? Is our life built on popular opinion? Is our life built on how we feel? Is our life built on any of that? What's it built on? How much money we have? What's our life built on? Who likes us today? How many likes I get on social media? What's our life built on? Those who disagree with me? What's our life built on? Those who are always telling me how nice I am, how good I am. What's our life built on? Jesus is walking these guys through this beyond Easter. Like, look, if you're going to make it, your life's got to be built on the foundation of the Word. And he takes them through and tells them all about it. Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. If there's anybody who, who and he, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote this, anybody who knows anything about letting somebody down and coming up short and wondering, can he make it? It's Peter denied Jesus three times and then had breakfast with Jesus in John 21. Jesus asked him three different times, do you love me? And by the third time, it hurt Peter's feelings. And he was wondering, man, I don't know. I, I say I do, but you, you tell me, do I? And Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote this in 1 Peter 1, verse 23, out of the Passion Translation. He says, hey, through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. Through the eternal and living word of God, you have been born again. You didn't get born again because you dressed right. You didn't get born again because you look cool. You didn't get born again because of however you feel. You got born again because of the eternal and living word. He said, in this seed, this word that he planted within you, that word of God that is in you can never be destroyed, but will live and grow inside of you forever. Isn't that awesome? All 30 
something thousand verses, the living Word of God can grow on the inside of us forever. He says, for human beings, he's speaking from experience, are frail and temporary. Like grass and the glory of man fleeting like the blossoms of the field. The grass dries and withers and the flowers fall off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was announced to you or preached to you. And then he goes on in the next chapter. So abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander. And in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, says you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished, and strong for life. Especially now that you have had a taste of the goodness of God and you've experienced His kindness. His word, God's word, the living word, will make us mature, will make us spiritually nourished, and will make us strong for life. Sounds like a good uh, thing to have. Be mature, be spiritually nourished, have a healthy mindset, a godly mindset, an outlook on life, and to be strong for life. God gives us that opportunity beyond Easter, and that is it's beyond what it might have felt like on Easter and have something long-lasting, continuing to work in our life, and that's His Word. You know, His Word tells us in Psalm 119 that it's a lamp and a light for our feet, for our path, for guidance. It also tells us Jesus taught this at the end of His Sermon on the Mount, ended it with, that He said, hey, those who listen to what I say, my words, and apply them to their life, He said, you'll be strong and you won't fail because that's, who I am. Your life will be built on the rock. My word is strong and it doesn't fail. And he said, despite the storms that come, despite what happens, you're going to be able to make it. You're going to be able to carry through. You're going to be able to last because my word doesn't end. My word doesn't fizz out. My word is not based on popular opinions. My word is not based on if people like it or not because my word is true and it has always outlasted and always will outlast. My word knows what to do. My, my word knows how to work in your life, but it's got to be the foundation of your life. Of your life. And Paul in, in Romans 12 tells us that by his word, we're able to renew our mind, able to rewire it, so to speak, according to what God thinks, and it's able, His Word is able to confirm His will for our life. His, his Word is able to confirm His will. What does God want to do with me? Why am I here? What is God's intention in my life right now? His Word will help determine that and confirm that for us. And Jesus wants us to go through life. He wants to take us through life on the foundation of His Word. Number four. Jesus wants a relationship with you that will change you from the inside out. Look at this in verse 28. It said, By this time, these disciples and Jesus, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, seven miles. 
Jesus acted as if he were going to go on. But they begged him, stay the night with us. It's getting late. So we went home with them, and they sat down to eat. And he took bread, blessed it, and he broke it, gave it to them. Then he's verse 31. And then suddenly their eyes were opened. They recognized him. This is Jesus. But it was at that moment that he disappeared. Then verse 32, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Their eyes were open and they recognized him. Their hearts burned within them as Jesus walked with them and talked with them and explained things to them. He sat with them, went into their home, sat down with them and and was having a meal with them, breaking bread with them, creating a, a moment of fellowship, of intimacy, of kind of letting the hair down, so to speak. And just kind of enjoying the conversation. And it was in that moment, in that time of intimacy, of togetherness at the table, their eyes were opened and, they, and then he disappeared. But then they went on and said, man, didn't our hearts burn on the inside? We've been walking these last seven miles. Something was happening inside of us. Something was going on that I can't see and ear can't hear, but I know something was burning on the inside of my chest. Did you feel it, Cleopas? Cleopas is like, I felt it too. Man, when he was talking to us about all the scriptures and all the prophets and telling us what was going to come and how it was going to happen, man, something inside of me caught fire. Something was changing on the inside of me. I was, I was not doubting anymore. I was, I was determined I wasn't going to lose sleep tonight. I was determined that, man, something bigger and greater was going to happen in my life. I could feel it down deep. Anybody ever been there before where you, you can't see it all, but you just kind of feel it happening? You don't know how it's all going to work out, but you can just feel it deep inside your bones. You just, you just know, man, if I just stay on this track, if I just stay on this road, if I will just stay steadfast where I'm at, I can feel something around the corner is about to change. That's what was going on in them. A relationship, you know, a, re- a relationship with Jesus will change us from the inside out. You know, us, us, us humans, though, we, we're, we're so quick to want to look a certain way on the outside. We're so quick to want to give the impression on the outside that we'll do whatever we can to try to give that impression that something is not wrong with us, that something is not right with us, that something just isn't setting well with us. But Jesus wants to relationship with us that changes us from the inside out. Because Jesus loves us so much. He loves us so much. There's so much that he wants to do in us. That it's not about religion. It's not about dotting the I's and crossing the T's as much as it is about just giving ourselves to Him in a relationship. As Jesus put it, abide in me. Abide in me. Let's walk together in relationship. 
Let's walk together in relationship. The, over about a week or two ago, my kids stumbled upon a movie on Netflix, I think it was, called A Week Away. And it's a good movie, good little movie to watch. Uh, it's about kids going away to summer camp for a week. Camp's not too far away. I think Blair's got the big reveal tonight, right? Yeah, you want to make sure you're here for that, Blair, tonight. Big camp reveal. But a week away is what it's called. And any, anyway, it was it, a lot of the song sets in this movie, the soundtrack to this movie were a lot of the songs I grew up listening to when I was a teenager. And that was just a couple years ago, I know. I wish. But a lot of Stephen Curtis Chapman songs. Anybody ever remember Stephen Curtis Chapman? A few. Nobody's going to date themselves. I will. But anyway, there's this one song, Saddle Up Your Horses. I know it's I'm reaching way back. Watch the movie. They redo it. It's cool. Um, anyway, there's a part in that, in that song where they sing, I started out this morning the usual way. I opened up the Bible and I read about me. I was mowing the grass Friday evening, trying to get it in before the rain. And that song would not leave me. That little part wouldn't leave me. I just was seeing this, the, 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 um, the part of the movie where they were singing that, and it was 14, 15, 16-year-olds singing that song. I remember me back in the day singing the song, hearing that song for the first time. Open up the Bible. God has so, I'm going to go off here, so follow me. God has so much he wants to do in you. God has so much how he wants to use you. Come on, can I take my freedom for a moment? God has so much that he, how, he dreams about you. He thought about you before you were born. God has so much to say about you. God has so many thoughts about you. In fact, he says they're good thoughts for your future. Things that, days that are in front of you. Life that is ahead of you. And so don't think where you're at right now that you've made a mess of your life. Don't think today where you're at at this moment that you've screwed it up. I don't know who I'm talking to who the Lord's getting at today. But don't think the mistakes you've made are irreversible, irreparable, or unforgivable. Because you open up the Bible, you read about you. God's Word is full. Yeah, it's about Him. Yeah, it stems from Him. But Jesus makes it personal. He makes it personal. How, how, you walk with me? I know you got your purse and phone. You look cute. Can you just walk with me? How Jesus will just take you. And she's masked up too. So you don't spit on me. Thank you. Or I, I should say, I shouldn't spit on you. But he'll take your hand. He don't care. He don't care. And he'll walk with you. Just like he did with those disciples, that seven miles. He opened up the Bible. And the Bible pointed to him. But then here's the story. When Jesus gets in your life, 
all points to me. And he looks you in the eyes. Looks deep into the soul. And you know what? He just says, I love you. I care for you. Why do you think I came for you? Why do you think I want to have a relationship with you? It's not based on how you look. It's not based on how often you get it right, because Lord knows we get it wrong more than we get it right. It's based on my love for you. And I have so much I want to do in you. I believe in you so much that yes, I can take everything in your life and turn it around for good. If you will just love me And then when we walk with him, we'll stumble, don't really. We'll fall. We'll be curious to kind of look over our shoulder and wondering, was it better back there? Or can life be different up here? He wants a relationship, folks. We make it complicated. We're good at that. We're so extra. And then lastly, Jesus then wants us to share our story of who He is in our life. He wants us to share our story of who He is and that's a, that's a phenomenal thing when you think about it. Because all our stories, though may have some similarities, they are yet unique to us. They are unique to us. What these two disciples do? Verse 33. It says, And then within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They just walked seven miles. It was dark. They ate. Jesus showed himself. Then he disappeared. They were like, dang, something's going on in me. We got to go tell somebody. They get back on the road, walk back seven miles, go find the other 11 disciples. And then verse 35 says, they, these two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus appeared to them. And how as they were walking along the road, how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. You know, people in, this, in, in the paths of life, they don't want a preached sermon. They want one that's lived. They want one that's lived. They want, people want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. Not about what you might think about him. Not about what you might read about him. But how you have encountered him. How he has changed you what he means to you, what he has done in your life. I want to speak to everybody today, from the youngest to the oldest, you have a story to tell. There are people in your path waiting to hear your story, waiting to hear who Jesus is in you, what he has done in your life, how he has turned you around, 
how he placed you on solid ground, how he changed you, how, how, he, how he defeated the enemy in your life, how he pushed away darkness and brought light, how he pushed away sadness and brought joy, how he pushed away sin and brought forgiveness, how he changed situations in your life, how he did so much. He wants us to share our story. And you know, water baptism is a significant platform to be able to share our story. You remember that Peter that denied him three times? By the time he got to Acts, he preached his first message. 3,000 people got saved. And then the Lord's like, I'm going to give you your own little book to write. First and second Peter. And then in first Peter 3, this is what he writes about Jesus. He said, Jesus went, preached to the spirits in prison after he was put to death on the cross. Those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat, the ark, only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Water baptism, make no mistake about it, is a powerful platform to share your story. It says it's a picture of salvation and renewal. It is a response to God. Water baptism is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus. Why is it so important? Why does it have such, such explosive power in it? Because of what it represents. It's a picture Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it parallels our story. We put our life in Jesus. And we come out new. We come out clean. We come out fresh. We come out with a story that I once was, but now I am this. This used to be, but now look at me now. Who I, what I used to do, who I am now, what I can do in Christ, who strengthens me. Next Sunday, we're going to have water baptisms. And I have a vision for that day that I, I, I just, the vision I have is I just keep seeing people. I even see households, I see couples, I see families getting in together to get baptized. Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to create a narrative so that people will do what I'm saying. I'm just letting you know how my heart feels. It may or may not happen this way. That may only be one person. But we will rejoice over the one. Because oftentimes it only takes one for things to start to change. Lord willing, I will be, in, I'll be one of the ones. I know of another one who's going to get baptized. I'm not getting baptized because I walked away from the Lord. I'm getting baptized because it's 30 years this year that the Lord just impressed upon me, 30 years since I came into a relationship with him, since I discovered, I opened the Bible, read about me, and found out what he's got for me and who he thinks of me. I just feel called to just renew myself all together. All together. 23 years in full-time ministry. 
I just want to renew myself. And I want the Spirit to renew me. What about you? Are you feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I was baptized before. You may have been baptized before. Again, I don't get caught up over the semantics of the religious doctrine of this thing. I look at the Bible more as a point of spiritual reference. What is the Spirit doing now? What is God saying today? Because if we get hung up over how it can be, the way it should be, by what people think, we could miss what the Spirit wants to do in us today. And that's where I'm at. And that's what we want to present and lay out before you, that if you want to get baptized, if you feel that happening in you to get baptized, it's a platform for you to begin to share your story again. Maybe your story got buried. Maybe you've forgotten all about how it happened. Maybe you need to be reminded, like these early disciples, that there is life beyond Easter. Will you stand with me and let me pray with you? And I would ask you over this week, on Palm Sunday, we we prayed a prayer of spiritual renewal. That prayer is on our website, nlcj.org. It's really just all scripture out of Psalm 51 from about four different translations we put together. But I would ask you, if go to our website, nlcj.org, download that and pull it up and begin reading it this week. But just ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Would you have me to get baptized next Sunday? Look, I don't care if everybody gets baptized. We will stay here and baptize every one of y'all. Everybody. I don't care. Husband and wife come. Honey, I feel like we should get baptized. We didn't bring any clothes. It's all going to be all right. We got some towels. Little one runs up to you. Mommy, Dad, I, I just want to do it today. I feel like I need to get baptized today. I don't know who all will. I just feel God working, God stirring the water, so to speak. The Spirit hovering over us. That there is an open heaven right now. That all we just got to do, like at the beginning of our worship, we will just look. God will respond. God knows. God knows what you've been through. God knows what you need. That's why he asked those questions. What's going on? Let me in. Father, in Jesus' name, bless these people today. Bless every life, every heart, every union, every relationship, Lord. Pour out grace, pour out mercy. Pour out redemption and forgiveness. Pour out love. So much so that we can't say no. That we can't resist you. That we can't hide from you. That we can't run from you. We will just let you in. You ask, what's God has tore up? Because you want in. You want in to help. You want in to renew. You want in to empower us, to help us. So Holy Spirit, do your work in us today and this week. Continue to draw us closer to you. 
Open up our hearts so that they will desire you more and more and more. As we open up the Bible, open up our eyes, we can see what you say about us, that there's life and purpose beyond Easter. In Jesus' name, amen.